welcome back everyone to the DSAI Summer School podcast. I am Kira Finnegan and I am here with my co-convener of the DSAI Economic Development Study Group, Jer. Uh, Jer, do you want to say hello to everyone? Hi everybody and thanks for coming to listen to this fab episode. I almost waved because I'm in a bubble, but yeah. Uh, thanks Kira. And uh, we are delighted today to have one of our speakers from the summer school with us, um, Lauren Napier, who is a PhD researcher in the area of space governance in Northumbria University in Newcastle. Lauren, would you like to say hello to everyone? Hi, everybody. I also waved. Yeah, that's just how it goes today. <laughs> um, so... We were delighted to have Lauren, well, I especially was, I think, like, Lauren knows I am a fangirl of hers anyway, this is, this is common knowledge. Um, we were delighted to have Lauren to deliver this session at the DSEI Summer School because it was in the area of space for SDGs. So for anyone who may not have attended summer school and not been able to, that is um, an initiative uh, mainly started the term kind of comes out of uh, the UN Office for Outer Space Affairs, um, UNOSA's Space for SDGs initiative, using outer space initiatives, technology systems to try and move forward or progress the achievement of these sustainable development goals. And it was an area that I was particularly interested in, and therefore I spearheaded Lawrence. <laughs> I was just going to say you did. It was, it was this, you were like, I know this researcher and this is what they do. And I really want them to be involved and we need to reach out straight away. And yeah, yeah, it was exciting. So Lauren's session, um, I have to say, Lauren, your session was incredibly engaging and we have had loads of student feedback um, with regards to how engaging it was. Your use of Google Jamboard and like engagement technologies was something that Jer and I were very happy with because we were also like, that was something we really wanted to kind of use in the summer school to encourage engagement and like have this kind of I suppose atmosphere that felt like a classroom even though it was virtual and you got the students talking and chatting and coming up with ideas and really thinking um, and introducing student voices and voices from not only student voices but like attendee voices from different areas outside of space law I suppose that you and I would be in space law space governance into this kind of field of like how we can merge climate development and outer space so I think something I want to ask Lauren I don't know if this is maybe putting you on the spot a little bit um but I was wondering like one thing that kind of um I know I, I'm always conscious of when you're talking about like space in a climate and development arena is that I think the tendency is to think of space exploration space systems as negative and as having kind of a negative impact on whether it's our climate, whether it's we're too pro-development, pro-technological development. But obviously Space for SDGs tries to like utilize the exploration of outer space and the space systems that are there in order to try and benefit the climate of the earth. And I just suppose maybe would that be your kind of experience um, of like the opinions that people might have or people say who are in the climate and development fields might have around outer space or space in general space systems well it's funny that you mentioned that um because yesterday my supervisor and i professor christopher newman we had a presentation on the mobility or immobility of getting to space and space tourism and one of the things that we brought up there was actually if you think about all these rocket launches and all these really big behemoths going up and how much fuel and how much they're putting into the atmosphere and putting into the air around them when they're just launching Okay, it could be then that we're now considering those as environmental concerns, the way that we're launching and, and how often we're launching. 
However, on the flip side, then, as you were mentioning, you know, using satellites, data and imagery to help with disaster management, to help with weather pr prediction and monitoring, to help with, you know, telemedicine and even it helped with with COVID. Um, then we've got these applications that are supporting the socioeconomic development and environmental concerns on Earth. So I guess we then have to balance like there's no other way to blast off of Earth's um, ground up into space without using these heavy rocket boosters and all this fuel. So you have to think about perhaps then we can have more payloads, which payloads mean basically like putting cargo in a plane. It's the same with a rocket. You kind of just jam it full as much as you can with satellites and whatever needs to go to orbit. And so they do kind of like groupings of payloads and secondary payloads. So they're trying to put as much in one rocket at one time. One, because it's a very high risk, expensive thing to do to go to space. But secondly, I think it then might help with bringing down those environmental concerns. For example, having spaceports in, you know, an adjacent to an airport would then give also environmental and just like societal concerns for the people that live around them. However, then we have to think that every day we're using GPS on our phones and we're having these Zoom calls now and we're doing all these different things that use satellite technology on a daily basis. So you have to kind of weigh those pros and cons, I think. And at the moment, we don't have the technology to make it cleaner, but they are trying to work on usable rockets and things like this to kind of balance out that on that side. I don't know what outside of our community says, but we at least are mindful of that in the outer space community and how we can kind of showcase that it's not just about prestige and just going to the moon and Mars for the fun of it. There are actual applications of why we're doing these things and how they can benefit us back on earth you yeah, know exactly I think that's like I would always kind of preface by saying I'm quite like pro exploration I think you know there is so many benefits that can be garnered from it and like like you said we are living in this world where you know we are using you know technology that is supported by satellites every day and I think that there is like definitely people who will argue against like the launching of satellites etc cetera, etc cetera. there are issues with that I just think you know maybe like trying to get the best out of what we are currently in because we're we're in this age we're in this era like space exploration is actually turned up a notch it's dialed up a notch now it's happening so much more so if we can get the best benefits we can from it I don't really see I like I wouldn't see the harm in it you know I think we yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry I was just want to say even from somebody from a, a perspective that I didn't know very much at all um about outer space and space for um the SDGs you know that was something that came out that that I kind of took away from from that session too was that you know it is an inevitability you know it is happening so why not maximize on this you know and really utilize it for support and I think in you know in one of the breakout rooms that was a really good kind of topic of conversation that came up in the room I was in about you know maximizing on the satellites for satellite imagery for instance so I thought that was a really important take home that you know it's and I always think like I was at a conference once at Kira where we were doing a joint paper and she prefaced the, her piece by saying before I talk about this I acknowledge that there can be issues um, around launching and you know there can be climate concerns around this but and I, I thought that was a strange preface to have to make and it was only then from the session I kind of understood that you know how how important it is and just you, we have to be real too don't we you know we have to accept that this is happening this is the way it's moving forward so absolutely as you said I think it makes perfect sense to to capitalize and maximize um uh on that so.
And I suppose the kind of leading on from that and just like having like worked with you and talked to you about it, Lauren, I know you put sustainable development goals 16 and 17 at the kind of like kind of at the center as they kind of build this foundation from which other like for anyone who didn't attend the summer school we broke up into breakout rooms and kind of discussed how space systems can be utilized to kind of work towards specific sustainable development goals so some were so I I know in my group it was sustainable cities some was life underwater is I don't know if I'm like if that's the proper way to describe it or if I'm describing the little mermaid but um (laughs) I like you put sustainable development goals 16 and 17 and I believe like if I'm just saying them off the cuff it's um partnership or collaboration and then also just and democratic processes and kind of having them as the foundation to be able to achieve all other sustainable development goals and kind of I suppose putting them as the basis of and again like noting that they're central in I suppose the UN copious so um the UN Committee uh, on the Peaceful Use of Outer Space and, you know, kind of collaborative discussions that if they're kept central to that, then like what we're seeking to achieve by means of like the space for sustainable development goals, I think will always be, I suppose, morally guided well, you know, if like that makes sense. I don't know if you'd agree or not if I'm describing that or asking that question well. Yeah, so 16 and 17, yeah, it's one of them is partnership for the goals at 17. 16 is strong institutions, justice, and I think it's, I I personally, the reason I think of these two is I think they're very well connected to the UN system as a whole and how we deal with diplomacy and international relations. And I just think about, so I've been to the Committee on the Peaceful Use of Outer Space many times because I used to live in Vienna. And when they would bring up discussions about the Space 2030 Agenda, which is supposed to be impartial um, connection to the 2030 Agenda in general, but how space can play a part in that. And then, of course, the Space for Sustainable Development Goals Initiative. They really do talk about capacity building. How can we share knowledge? How can we have open source you know, data? How can we get more women and girls involved in STEM? What can we do? So there's these discussions. And then on top of it, through through the United Nations Office of Outer Space Affairs or even through bilateral state to state initiatives, they also have partnerships that work on various things. So you start to see that these two SDGs, in my opinion, kind of underpin all the other ones because it's showing how these different states and organizations work together and then can also work together with the UN or all come to the UN as a forum for discussion to then kind of showcase how they can then make the other SDGs, you know, connected to space. So then they'll talk about how space and water are connected at the committee meetings. They'll talk about space for socioeconomic development. They'll talk about what we need to do for disaster management. They'll talk about all of these different things. And I think then that way they kind of know who's doing what and how to build stronger partnerships for the future and how to kind of get those collaborations going. So, yeah, I would agree that I've definitely kind of pulled those out as the the foundational ones that kind of help get the other ones. And that, I mean, perhaps it's different for different industries, but for me, for space, that kind of is how it's set up. Everything kind of trickles out from the UN and these committee meetings down to the regional level, national level, and then the non-state actors. So it kind of makes sense that those two would encapsulate how to work on the other SDGs. Okay, and Jerry, you have a question? I do. Um, thanks, Lauren. I, I'm just, you know, I want to just take a, a moment, like, just to kind of highlight, you know, and the efforts that you put in and the preparation that you put in 
um, to your session, you know, even for myself and Kira and Jean too, you know, who were facilitating some of the breakout rooms, you know, it made us completely at ease. And, and me, you know, personally speaking, that had no idea, you know, around this world, it really did, you know, help. And I'm wondering, just on reflection, when you look at those breakout rooms, did they go, this is, you know, this is an, a safe space, Lauren, you can be truthful. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, on reflection, do you think that th th they worked the, the breakout rooms? Like, did it have the engagement that you hoped for? Was it the way you planned? Because I, I, well, I hope it did, because again, the efforts that was, it really was um, incredible. And like I said, it made it so clear to me. And I think that was really transparent too, to me when I was jumping in and out of the other rooms, checking how everyone was, um, that, you know, going by the guides that you had sent, you know, it was clear that people had actually looked at them in advance and knew, you know, not not in any great depth, but knew what to bring to that discussion. Um, and I'm just curious, did you think you, you know, did the breakout rooms, did, did it work in terms of engagement for you? So I'll, before I answer the question, I'll preface by saying I got the idea from my extensive work at the Space Generation Advisory Council, whether it's for students, young professionals, and a lot of what they do is experts and students, young professionals together in the same kind of idea. There'll be a mini lecture and then there's breakout rooms. Same being said, UNUSA also runs um, events that are connected to sustainable development goals. And one of my favorite ones was a UN Austria led one on sustainable development. And they had people from different UN offices, different organizations, as well as space sector doing the same kind of thing, having lectures and then breakout. So I've found that this style is really useful and the things that you can get out of it really do make a difference. So I was really impressed that here we brought in a bunch of participants who have maybe no understanding or knowledge of space, which is fine because that's what I prefaced in the mini lecture. But honestly, when we're talking about space for SDGs, you don't need to know a lot about space. You just need to know that that technology, that data and that imagery exists and that you're able to apply it. So the kind of recommendations they were coming up with and the kind of discussions you're having are the exact same kind I've had through the organization and the exact same ones I've seen at the UN level. So I think what's really encouraging is that if you bring this content to any type of person um, who has an interest in climate and sustainable development, you know, um, uh, what do you call it, international development and so on, I think we're going to always get some really great, interesting perspectives, especially those outside the space sector, because they're thinking about it from completely different perspectives than we are, which really helps us to kind of think more about how that data and that imagery can be better used. You know, uh, one uh, person I think brought up discussing farming and precision agriculture without realizing that that is actually something that's being done with space as well. And, and someone brought up, I think, drone technology, which again, people don't realize can be compared, con connected with um, satellite imagery and data. You can then also have drone information and kind of compile it all together to get your best information. So a lot of what they were thinking is stuff that is being explored and discussed at the at the international level, which was really amazing. And the fact that they were so keen to like bring perspectives, because a lot of times I think, unfortunately, it does stay a very white Western adult conversation. It stays a very international conversation. It stays a very non-in user specific conversation. So to have mm -hmm. students, young professionals and people from um, you know, organizations from different parts of the globe that came to your summer school, it really showed that then we can get like a bigger perspective and not just a tiny snapshot, um, you know, of a space person that may be sitting in Europe. 
So yeah, I was really pleased. I was really excited with all the, the outcomes. And I really liked that they would then understood how all of them could be brought back together, which was my whole preface from the methodology of the 17 rooms that the Brookings um, Institute had had kind of, I've had like a guide to kind of see how you look at each SDG separately and then you bring them all together and show how they inter are interconnected. And that's why then again, I kind of thought 16 and 17 was a good helpful way to, to start that off to show that there is an interconnected. So yeah, they did a fabulous job. It was really great. Oh, it's so great to hear because I really liked that as well that we were able to reconvene together like it was timed perfectly that you know we had that opportunity and there was plenty of time in the because you know yourself what, what lots of these type of events when you're in breakout rooms it can be really difficult because it cuts off very quickly you could be mid-conversation but the timing was perfect and it allowed genuine conversation around this which was was really cool and I really liked then that they were, everyone was able to come back together at the end and look at the different jam boards look at the different ideas that were brought up there and I thought it was really encouraging and you kind of touched on something in here I'm not going to step on your toes because you're probably going to touch on it as well um but when you were talking about the discipline the different disciplines mm -hmm. you know this is an overarching theme that we have kind of been looking at in every session is that you know the importance of not only interdisciplinary work but transdisciplinary work as well and you know in my background in genocide studies you know we there's a lot of call for this especially in relation to law where we say you know the the legal definition of genocide and then say perhaps the sociological definition of genocide are very different there's very different interpretations and when they come together you can really see how something could project forward and move forward and I thought that was really nice with your session that it brought so many different perspectives into one to have an idea and a voice on a topic that they may not like you said may not have had any experience of before and it was really exciting for me to see that with the attendees and participants that they were really kind of getting involved with it well I have to say on the first point um space sort of came late to the sustainable development goal game. So I think a lot of how it is discussed in the space industry is taken from those other industries that have more experience in, in that. And we also look towards, you know, those international partnership programs that do capacity building in, in general, you know, and how, and then we thought, okay, well, space can be applied to these, these discussions as well. So that's one thing. And then logistically, I would say, even though we all want to be face to face and have our networking and coffee breaks, I found that Google Jamboard and having a chat and the ability to talk allows those that maybe are a little more shy or they're less confident in their English speaking. It gave them different ways to present what they wanted to say. And as they saw ideas go up on a board, they could kind of feed off of that. So that's why even in like a live session, I would have had like you know, a whiteboard or like those, um, those easels with like the big paper and the pins and stuff and sticky notes, because then you kind of feel you can engage without feeling frustrated. And then you can write something anonymously without anyone knowing who said what. So I find that this also aids with that um, engagement, especially like you said, if you're uncertain about Ooh, I don't really know about space, but I do have a good idea. Is it right or wrong? And I always preface there's no right and wrong answers. We're here to discuss and figure out solutions because clearly if the solutions were already here, we wouldn't be talking about sustainable development in 2021. Yeah, no, I think it's like it's great. And as Jerry said, it does kind of link back to just I'm thinking of a quote from um, Professor Honor Fagan's keynote when she said that individual disciplines cannot um, are not sufficient to help us 
address the problems of our time. And it is nice that like, you know, so many like the idea of coming out of your session, having formed recommendations or trying to put together recommendations with the voices from so many people from so many different backgrounds. And as you said, majoritarily outside of the field of space and outside of that being rooted in that knowledge and seeing how they're interpreting or how they would recommend or like how they interpret how space can help the sustainable development goals and I suppose like then trying to like look forward upon and now having reflected kind of projecting forward where or how do you see or how do you anticipate or in what ways do you see that students or any interested parties can get involved in space for sustainable development goals in like moving forward so that's actually a really good question because I'm always encouraging. I know in the space sector, they're really encouraging women and girls in STEM. And I get a little cringy with that because yes, I know there are more women and girls in humanities and social sciences, but we still need women in leadership positions in humanity and social sciences as well. So I look at it more as, I think they, they use the term sometimes STEAM that includes the arts roughly. And, um, and so I, I kind of broaden that out that first of all, Whatever you're interested in, whatever you're good at, you can pursue it. And then there's, I've learned because I didn't know when I was younger that space could be looked at through the lens of international relations and law. And I always thought it was just astronomers and scientists and you know engineers and so on. So that already was um, a wake up call for me that I could do something I'm good at and something that I'm passionate about at the same time. So I would say like, you don't necessarily need to be versed in outer space law or outer space politics to use the data and the imagery from space. If you wanted to then still work in the fields of, you know, international development or sociology, or even, um, you know, any of these other, you know, types of, of groupings that don't really have as much of a direct application in space, you could always then think back to, well, how could space technologies support what I'm saying? To give a good example, like when they are discussing, let's say um, the issue of water, in Africa, okay? We can then use satellite imagery to track and monitor flooding and, and water and the tides and the use of fresh water versus, um, you know, how, how that's being affected by climate change and everything. And so then you've got this satellite imagery and data. Perhaps you also have drone information. Perhaps you then are also doing on the ground sampling. You're also having policy and decision-making initiatives. You have organizations and students all coming together, you know, with um, industry and, and, and the government. All of these pieces together then make the best answer for what to do about the fact that potable water is very difficult to find in certain parts of the world. And, and I think that as a student, if you kind of get outside your comfort zone and open up and get outside your box and think about like, okay, I do, I do international development, but I know that then there are studies that have used space data to help with X. I should put that into my presentation or a paper or into my thesis when I'm thinking about it. That helps, it's kind of self, self-serving for me because I think that helps us get our industry out into the other industries, mm-hmm. which is something we're not 100% good at. But it also shows that transdisciplinary approach because the same is in return. A lot of people in outer space are only talking about exploration, going to the moon. They're talking about you know um, astronomy or space space objects such as like meteorites, comets, you know, asteroids. But here I am talking about low Earth orbit and knowing that the only reason we're in low Earth orbit for the main part right now is for our support of Earth and society and the environment and socioeconomic issues. The majority of those satellites do these kinds of functions. So then when I'm talking about why we need a sustainable low Earth orbit, I'm also then saying 
because we need a sustainable earth environment and mm -hmm. vice versa. Because if low earth orbit isn't gonna be sustainable and you're gonna have debris that then destroys satellites, we could knock out GPS, we could knock out weather uh, monitoring services, we could walk out, you know, knock out disaster management protocols because they're, they're missing data. So I, I think, you know, you just gotta kind of think about it from different perspectives and how space could be brought in, but you don't necessarily have to be an expert. I am by, by no means an engineer. I'm not an astrophysicist or a scientist. I do not know the mechanics of getting from launch to, or, to orbit. I'm, I am not a data uh, analyst. I don't, I know we have the data, but I, I'm not trained to sit and analyze that data for, you know, precision agriculture and know how to use it. I know it's there and I like to push that, that it's an important concept and we should have it. But that's where then there are many different facets of ways of getting involved in um, outer space or using the information from outer space, even if you wouldn't consider yourself a space expert or in the space industry. So, yeah, I would say um, connecting with what we call the downstream of space, which is all that data and imagery can can go across into many different sectors. Not to, to take down from the, the lovely academic tone, but I can't, it's just so cool. I, like, I hear this stuff and I'm like, this is so cool. Like, I mean, to me, and I think for probably lots of attendees too, that are only maybe starting, whether it's their academic journey or journey into a research career or tra uh, trajectory of any way, it's just to see these new ways of doing research and being involved in it and how to involve, like, I mean, I have to say, a, a, you know, actually probably not even a year ago, six months ago, I would not have been able to equate outer space with climate change. You know, I wouldn't have been able to equate satellite imagery with water tracking. Like, you know, it's, it's, and it seems like it's nearly obvious now when you explain it in such a way that I'm like, how did I not see that? Like, it seems so perfectly clear. Um, and I mean, that was something I really enjoyed from one while getting to know you and two being part of your session is that it, these really interesting ways to look at it. And it's the same, you know, myself and Kira looked at um, a paper previously about resource extraction um, in outer space and how it could relate to indigenous peoples. And it's, again, these connections are just so... They're just so cool. I, I, it makes me so excited when I hear things like this. Yeah, thanks, Lauren, so much. I just, I, at one point there again, I kind of forgot that I was part of even a recording because I was just enjoying. It. I was writing notes too, and I was like, this is just so interesting. I was just having the best time, um, and now I'm really glad that it's going to be in a place that I can come back and listen to. Thank you so much. Well, the other thing I was going to mention is that you know, if you've ever seen the photos from the Apollo era where they've got, they're on the moon and they take a picture of Earth or those first images when they were, you know, going into space and they're looking back at Earth, we call it the overview effect. And many astronauts have mentioned it's a complete game changer mentally. Ethically speaking, you know, you don't see those borders. You don't see the actual like issues that, that we have when we're in the thick of it day to day. It's a real um, strong way to kind of change your perception of why we're doing everything. We're doing everything because we're all on one celestial body, one planet called Earth by ourselves. It's the only habitable planet in our solar system. It's the only habitable planet that is as developed. It's the only habitable planet that we know of at the moment with sentient beings that are able to, to do anything. And so if we can't support the Earth as our own mother spaceship, then we may not have anywhere else to go. Yes, there's talk of going to Mars, but Mars is a harsh environment. 
Mars is not going to be like it is here. We will not be having, you know, World Cup. We will not be having Olympics on Mars at the moment. We wouldn't be able to like get out and and have a garden and like, you know, go to the beach because that, there's nothing like that on Mars at the moment. So we have to remember with this overview effect and looking from sat from the satellite perspective down, this is it. This is what we've got. We need to make it count. And I think that's really why I keep pushing as much as I can when I'm talking to people not in the space sector, how space could support them, because it really does add that extra layer of thinking kind of ethically and outside the box about how it really is going to help with the one planet that we've got. That's like, I think that's really important, though, to really hammer home as well, because like even I know when, like, as Jared said, I like look at lunar resource extraction and I look at it and I'm like, but like, I'm like, it's not regulated. I'm not, it's not properly ruled. And it's like, I I think everyone, when they think, when they see what, like, I like talk about or see the title of the paper, think, oh my God, you're pro lunar resource extraction. Like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm like, I wish we had laws in place to either prohibit it or, or just at least regulate it somehow. I'm like, I'm not saying let's go mine the moon be, and like wreck it because we wrecked our current planet. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we really need to be more conscious of the fact that like, like you said, we had this one celestial body and like, it's like slow it's like life cycle is slowly coming to an end unfortunately and we really need to use everything we can and again I think that's why like as much as like you know there may be an argument against space exploration we need to use the means at our disposal to try and save earth as much as we can definitely I think it like you said it's it's that kind of kind of looking for the best for humanity again what we can so do you think, Lauren, we have converted any of the attendees to become the next, I don't know, like space genius? I'm not going to reference any of the <laughs> current space geniuses. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely good that they that we were able to kind of open some eyes to how space can help. I'm not saying space is a panacea. I'm not saying it's the only answer. There are plenty of other answers out there. I just think that it's important to note that if we are spending all this um, money and we are going through the, the, I guess, risk of getting to space, we should be using the technology that's there. That being said, I do also think that it needs to be more open sourced and available because not everyone can afford space data or knows how to use it. There's still a long way to go with capacity building, which a lot of, um, countries have mentioned that are what we call emerging space nations. So they, they're like, well, it's all fine and good. We've put up one small satellite, but we also need to train people on how to analyze data, how to build satellites, how to use them, how to apply it to what we're talking about. So we still have a lot to do in terms of training and education. And so if we can make these steps through these events and through, you know, conferences and getting people kind of thinking about space, then maybe they'd be interested to start training to use that information in their own work or um, you know, from our law and policy side to start at the decision-making level to build in policies and initiatives that support you know, the capacity building, the using of the data, how does that work? I will then negatively caveat by saying that space is a, uh, you know, it's market. So a lot of this, imi this imagery and data is, you know, for a price because that's a business model like you need to to buy it um that being said in europe through the european space agency there is copernicus and that data is really available um to use so that's at least there's like there, there are initiatives where you can kind of get a start 
but I think hand in hand, if you have open source, plus if you have the ability to pay for specific content that you're asking for, kind of bespoke, okay, X company, could you please give us data for this, this day, for this, this situation, you know, then you can kind of build what you need, but we still need more um, knowledge sharing, capacity building and open data, I think. And we need more people to understand that you don't need to be an expert in space law and policy or an expert in engineering or astrophysics to be able to use this this data. We just need to, you know, kind of work together to build these tools for a future where technology is aiding in the things that we do to keep the planet habitable for the future generations. That's fantastic. I feel like that's a great note to end on, you know, what we what we still need to improve upon. But again, I think Lauren, your session definitely, and I know like student feedback has like definitely highlighted how interesting it was, how much it opened people's eyes, how much like it was new knowledge, but I think knowledge that a lot of the attendees are taking away and will hopefully do something with. Like that's all I know. I like love the idea that any new research um kind of put out in the area of outer space is really important and exciting and that you know anything that can come out of it is just exciting because it's a constantly changing area and I think that's another thing another theme is that we need to be you know research can't be static we have to be constantly transforming and changing and improving and I just think I I loved your session but I mean that is like (laughs) this has been like a half an hour of me just fangirling over your session (laughs) so (laughs) I feel like we can you know like I don't know I definitely think we will have some new new space minds out there hopefully I completely agree yeah I do I do think so I think you know the goal of the summer school was to bring together a meeting of minds and just people of interest that have an interest in it and and open up these new avenues that people didn't know they could explore and I just think that's a really interesting way and I mean I think you finished on a really salient point there about future generations and I mean I think everything in relation to development studies whether it's it's whether it's development studies or international development studies I think we all look to future generations um I really liked as well I'll finish on the point that I really liked one celestial body I'm I'm thinking maybe an autobiography title perhaps someday (laughs) I really loved that um you should copyright that because I thought it was so cool uh and Lauren just once again thank you for just being part to the summer school for being so you know so enthusiastic about it as well and it really shone through and I think the attendees all felt it as well and we really did too and then again for giving us more of your time your precious time today and to join us for this chat too and really uh, we appreciate it so much thank you well thank you for having me also for summer school and today it really helps me because again I really like being able to speak outside of my sector from time to time to remind us that we all are interconnected and that we should be working together for a better future. So thank you for having me and letting me also think about it from a different perspective for um, a couple of hours or a few days. Thank you so much, Lauren.